Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive, a show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Death Note. Today we will be discussing episode 25, titled Silent. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god, this episode. This episode is goddamn transcendent. It is incredible. It is magnificent. It is utterly spectacular. It is maybe the best episode of... The entire show. And like a massively, massively pivotal moment in the series. Like this is the thing. This is the moment the show's been building up to since the beginning. Like since the story started, we were building to this moment. This is the final, final showdown between Light and L. This is the final little gambit that light pulls on L. This episode is the checkmate. And it, it it's glorious. It's utterly freaking glorious. And what I love about this episode is that they know, they know, they know damn well how big a deal this is. The people making this anime, they went into this fully aware how huge of a moment this is. And the episode itself, it is very different. It is crafted in a much more unique way than the average episode of this show. It's not quite the same. It doesn't beat quite to the same drum. It doesn't have quite the same rhythm to it. And that is by design. This is a lot more quiet. This is a lot more subdued. This is a lot more ethereal and introspective. And it kind of... 
has this somber feeling to it. It has this feeling like the writers know (laughs) what they are doing. The animators know what they are doing. Everyone involved in this episode knows exactly what they're doing. Exactly the door they're opening. Exactly how big, how monumental this is to the story. And they crafted this episode very, very apparently to reflect that. When you want, as a viewer, you know, right from minute one, where they're doing that weird, like, thing with the church bells and the flashbacks to Elle's youth and all of that, right from the beginning, this episode immediately telegraphs to you, this is not a normal episode of Death Note. This is not the average, everyday Death Note shenanigans. What you're about to witness is something special. Is something that we do not want to rush. We do not want to do matter-of-factly. We are going to pull out all the artistic chops we can possibly have. All the cinematic chops we can possibly have. Like, we are going to make this as cinematic and ethereal and give it as much room to breathe as possible. Give this plot point as much room to breathe as humanly possible. We know this is not a normal episode of Death Note and we are treating it as such. They telegraph all of this in minute one. And from there on, the story plays out so, so Well, so instantly, as soon as Misa has her death note back, has her memories back, has her eyes back, Light just goes, hey, kill a bunch of criminals. Go forth and kill like mad. Go nuts. And so she does. She goes and kills like mad and goes nuts and starts passing judgment on criminals And as this is happening, the task force is alerted. Oh God, Kira's killing again. There is yet another Kira out there killing people. And now we're doing this all over again. Now we're doing this all over again. And now we are hunting down another Kira. And at this point, Light, while everyone's freaking out about a new Kira, guides the conversation to a very specific point. Guides the conversation to a very, very specific topic and getting pretty much everyone in the task force to admit out loud When we catch this new Kira, they will very likely be executed. And he guides the conversation to this point, knowing full well that Rem is in the room. Rem is listening. And Rem knows that this new Kira is Misa. Rem is very much aware of all of this. 
and Light intentionally guided the conversation into a place that would telegraph to Rem, Oh crap, they're going to find out it's Misa. They're going to find Misa. They're going to track Misa down. And when they find Misa, they will kill her. And Rem immediately, at this moment, immediately Light's plan is fully known to Rem. Get Misa into a position where L will absolutely find her. And then force Rem, because Light knows Rem's going to want to save her life. Light knows Rem cares for Misa and Rem's going to want to save Misa. So putting Rem into a position where he had, where Rem has to write L's name into the notebook in order to save Misa's life, in order to extend Misa's lifespan, which would then cause Rem to die, thus removing both pains in his side. Both his greatest adversary and his greatest pain in the frickin' neck, Rem. And I... mm, The biggest of big brain moves, this whole... This whole plot to kill L. Everything from the Higuchi stuff all the way to uh, the plot to kill L. All of it is just... Is perfect and light as a character is ingenious, and I love, I love how this plays out so much. And I love the moment when Rem figures out, oh, this is exactly his plan, and it's just like, light Yagami, you are truly disgusting. And light knows this is what's going through Rem's head, and is turning back towards Rem, going like just smirking, and in his inner monologue, going. Are you going to save Misa? You can't let her die. Uh, You can't let her be caught after she halved her lifespan twice. And he also, Light also knew exactly what he was doing when he put Misa into a position where she absolutely would accept the ideal again. Where she absolutely would make the ideal again and Ryuk would absolutely make the ideal with her. Like... He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew. He knew. With Misa's lifespan down to a quarter of what it once was, Rem would be in a much more frenzied position. He knew. He knew exactly what he was doing. God, Light is a genius. (laughs) I love this show so much. Uh, And then... There's this amazing scene with L and Light out in the rain where L's complaining about hearing a bell constantly going off all day. And in the midst of this, L just point blank asks Light, Light, from the moment you were born, have you ever once actually told the truth? And... At this point, Light's just blindsided, like, uh, what? And then he gives this answer about how, like, I've never lied to hurt another. I would never do that. Of course, I stretch the truth every now and again, but name one person who hasn't had to lie sometimes. Uh, just giving this socially correct answer. And then I was kind of like, huh. 
Okay, I thought you'd say that. So, even with the 13-day rule, which is fake, but L doesn't know that for sure, even with the 13-day rule, L's still thinking, Light's probably Kira. Light is probably Kira. And Misa's probably the second Kira. Like, it, ugh. this whole scene out in the rain, and then they go inside, L gives Light a foot rub, There's a lot of sexual tension in that scene after the rain. Like, I'm not, I'm not, like, just reading too much into this, right? Like, there's a lot of sexual tension in that moment. Like, there, like there's a weird amount of sexual tension between, like, Light and L. Between two people who are, like, bitter, bitter rivals. And one's literally trying to murder the other. There is a weird amount of sexual tension between the two of them in this moment. And I'm going to be honest, I'm making jokes about it. I'm making jokes about how weird the sexual tension in that moment is with that foot rub. But it actually kind of works. Like, if they... Okay, let's assume I'm not just reading into this and this is totally intentional, and they mean to imply that there's sexual tension between Light and L. 50-50 on whether or not that's the case, but let's assume it's the affirmative, there's definitely sexual tension between Light and L, weirdly. It actually heightens how big of a deal it is. That Light then goes and murders L. It actually makes it a bigger deal. It actually makes it hit harder in a weird way. So the fact that you bizarrely feel a lot of like strange sexual tension that in any other show would feel very out of place. Like it kind of makes what comes next hit on a deeper level somehow it's weird it's very very weird it's this very very weird paradoxical thing that actually kind of works where the fact that we actually see this (laughs) this weird sexual tension between these two bitter enemies actually makes one enemy's triumph over the other hit harder but then everyone goes down to the, like, meeting place of the task force. And Elle's just like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We are going to have uh, someone in prison. We are gonna have a prisoner scheduled for execution in 13 days. Kill someone using the death note. And then we're gonna monitor him for 13 days. And if he dies, great. Rules right. If he doesn't, eh, whatever. And you can, and L's not flat out saying it. L's not flat out saying it here. Uh, the task force is just like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Why do you want to test a 13-day rule? Why do you want to test a 13-day rule? It's written right there. What's the need to test it? L's not flat out saying it. But this is the ace in the hole against light. This is the ace in the hole against Light and Misa. This is flat out 
L saying, if I'm right, this person writing their name in the death note will die af- will not die after 13 days. And lighten me to Arkira in the second Kira. And if I'm wrong, eh, whatever, back to the drawing board. But if I'm right, this is the ace in the hole against Light and Misa. And this is the moment where Rem's just like, yeah, I can't sit back anymore. Light's getting exactly what he wants. And then we get this blackout and Rem pounces into action. Uh, goes up to Watari's little uh, place, little... Freaking observation hub. Writes down Watery's name. Watery's having a heart attack. As as he's having a heart attack, with L listening, um, he like pushes a button to delete all data from the task force headquarters. So Watery's dead. Watery's gone. And then L realizes, oh crap, Watery's dead. This is the thing I told Watery to do if he dies, if something happens to him. Kira just took out L. Or, wait a minute, where's the Shinigami? Where's Rem? Uh, and he puts together, Rem's just killed Watery. Rem killed Watery. Rem killed Watery. And as L's about to say, like, the Shinigami killed Watery, then L has a heart attack. He falls over. And we get this amazing moment where L's on the ground, Light's holding him, he's got this giant smirk on his face, and L's just looking like, oh my god, I was right. Uh, and Light's just got this giant smirk of like, ha ha, I beat you. I finally beat you. On his face. And L dies in Light's arms. And then Light makes a big show of, Oh no! Rem's killed L! We're all gonna die! Damn you, Shinigami! You know something about this, don't you? You did this! We'll find you! And then Light finds Rem... In, like, this pile of sand that becomes the Shinigami when they, uh, kill to expand a human's lifespan. They disintegrate into dust. And a little Death Note there. Light takes Rem's Death Note. Rem is dead. Rem is out of his way. Out of his hair. Rem is Gone forever. So L, Watari, Rem, all of Light's enemies. Anyone who stood to take Light down in any way. Anyone who had anything against Kira, essentially. Anyone who actually stood a chance of getting in Light's way is gone. They're all dead. And then he makes a big show of saying to the task force members... I will avenge Ryuzaki. I will avenge L. All the while going, I've eliminated every obstacle in my way. And that's where it ends. That's where the episode ends. That's where the second arc ends. 
that's where it's all done. And clearly there's nothing left to the show. There's no more. Oh, wait. There's another 12-episode arc left. We still have 12 episodes in this show, damn it. We just still have 12 episodes in this show. And I know a lot of people hate the last 12 episodes of this show. I know a lot of people just absolutely despise what comes after this. I still think it's good. I still think it's really good. I still love it. I think it works perfectly fine. I mean, here's the thing. It's the... It's the Breaking Bad Gus Fring dilemma. Like, Gus Fring. No debate. He's the best Breaking Bad villain. No doubt, like, Gus Fring is, like, the antagonist of Breaking Bad. No one can touch him. Anyone anyone after him pales in comparison. Weird business lady, Todd, the Nazis. Like, they... They are nothing compared to Gus Fring. But, man. Breaking Bad still works without Gus Fring. Breaking Bad without Gus Fring is still Breaking Bad. And I love Breaking Bad. And I would say the same for Death Note. Death Note without L is still pretty great. Death Note without L is still amazing. Obviously, no antagonist can compete with L. But it's still Death Note. And I still love Death Note. And it's still really great. I'll just say that. Also, one of these days, I need to do a piece on either here or Clark film. One of these days, I need to dive into how Death Note and Breaking Bad are essentially the same show. Uh, (laughs) They're both great. They're both among my favorite shows of all time. They're essentially the same show. Uh, (laughs) If you really think about it. Uh, I need to do that one of these days. Uh, But yeah, Death Note. Goddamn. Uh, if you like this, favorite podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast or app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468. And support the show, patreon.com slash Thomas Clark, pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that's not work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. On Monday, we will be discussing episode 26. Talk to you then. Hey guys, we have a lot of fun here discussing teenagers murdering people with magic notebooks. But while we sit talking about our favorite Japanese media, Asian Americans across this country are suffering from a monstrous wave of hatred, discrimination, and violence. This type of bigotry is nothing new. It's existed for, well, pretty much as long as America has been a thing, but it has increased dramatically over the past year in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic and the hateful rhetoric of former President Donald Trump. Average everyday Americans are being targeted every day for no reason other than the way they look, and they need your help. If you would like to help put an end to this horrific trend, please go to GoFundMe.com slash AAPI 
and donate whatever you can. That's GoFundMe.com slash AAPI. Thank you.